This is Friday Night Frights, brought to you by Starburst Magazine. Hello and welcome to Friday Night Frights, the weekly horror podcast from Starburst Magazine. I'm John Tolson, and my guest tonight is the author and critic Kim Newman. If you have nerve enough, come down these stairs with me to the Black Museum. And if you dare, look around this chamber of horrors. You will see the lethal possessions of a man possessed with murder. This month, independent film and home entertainment company Network Distributing launched the British Film DVD Collection, an intriguing mix of vintage British movies from the past five decades, including some obscure horror gems like Conga, Devil Girl from Mars, and the horrors of the Black Museum. To mark the launch, I spoke to Kim Newman about what makes these titles so unique within British cinema. Here was a modern Jekyll and Hyde who killed so that he could write with relish about his victims and his crimes. We were going to talk about the, uh, the new releases in the British Film Collection from the, mm-hmm. ne- the Network yeah. Distribution uh, Limited, uh, mm-hmm. for which you're an ambassador for the fourth column. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what that means, but I'm very happy to be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was going to be my first question, actually. Was How, how did you become involved with them? Um, well, let's say it's... Uh, I mean, I've I've worked with um, the company before. I've done some um, things like commentary tracks uh, on a couple of their releases. I did Hands of the Ripper and uh, the Medusa Touch, uh, the old Dark House, the Ghoul, mm-hmm. Possession Jones, the lady, things like that. And we get on very well. I I. You know, very much like their program of uh, of releasing slightly less obvious material um, from the 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 backlist. Uh, and recently, they um, they put out uh, a series of the Edgar Wallace B pictures from the early sixties that I did all the liner notes to, uh, and was very much involved in in sort of. Uh, presenting them to the, the public, uh, and we thought we'd continue the relationship with this. I know it puts me in an, an oddish position because, of course, I'm still a, a critic. Mm. Um, so I'm not, not entirely a, a publicity man for these things. I, yeah. I do, I, but I'm also one of those critics who thinks that all this stuff is important yeah. and that we should we should even be paying attention to you know, Spanish Fly as, as well as uh, you know, the, the, the great classics of British cinema. Of which there are some, there's some, uh, yeah, official good stuff here. But what I I think is really nice is there are even films here I haven't seen. Right. Okay. So you know, it's like, and uh, that's actually a great pleasure for me to be able to 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 discover stuff along along with this. I mean, there are things like the the house in Nightmare Park has always been a favourite of mine. Yeah. Um, But uh, man at the top, I hadn't actually seen until last night. Right, um, okay. of course, and, that, and the, it's the a really interesting, yeah, yeah, and it's a really interesting movie. Um, uh, it, it, 
and not much written about because it falls into that uh, peculiar category of being a TV spin-off. Although it's a TV spin-off with some fairly serious pedigree, you know, the John Brain novel yeah, and the, the and room at the top. Um, but, yeah, so things like that, that I, I'm very much uh, a, a fan of, yeah, the, the sort of the margins of, of British cinema, the, the things that you get after you go beyond the obvious titles. Mm. Um, and I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, the the availability of, of these films, a lot of which have have not actually even been on television that much. Um, I mean, or have been widely available on, on uh, VHS or previous formats. So a lot of this this stuff is is genuinely uh, sort of fresh. Well, that's right. And as you say, it's interesting that uh, there's some genuine sort of obscurities there and some genuine oddities a couple mm. of the couple of that i picked out was the uh, devil girl from mars oh i love devil girl from mars it's one of it it's odd that british science fiction which i which i'm a big fan of you know the quatermass films mm. or even you know doctor who uh, it has this sort of um, brusque, efficient, slightly whimsical feel. But Devil Girl from Mars is one of the few British films that's genuinely riotously camp. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I find it yeah sort of much more fun than similarly weird American films, probably because they're also well spoken and, and they're so good. It's it's notionally based on a play, although I've never been able to find any record of it ever being performed anywhere. Yeah, um, I would certainly cross London to see it put on in a pub. I mean, there was a there was a point where if we could find the, the script, I'd, I'd direct it. I mean, it's uh, um, and I think it's a splendid piece. I I think we should have a huge remake of it. You know, um, well, well, for people although who... in in fact. Act, you could argue that Edgar Wright has been basically remaking the <laughs> you know, besieged in a pub film over yeah. and over. So yeah. it's, a, it's a great British tradition, isn't it? <laughs> well, for people who might not be familiar with it, it's quite a surreal, surreal premise, isn't it? Because it, oh yeah, the the the, the, the sort of Martian dominatrix coming to Earth uh, <laughs> in, in, to to uh, take our most virile men to repopulate the planet. Right. We're assuming that all the all Martian men are impotent or old or just that's not right. interested. Or, yeah, but it again, it's one of those things that it's much loopier than the the, the American version, which is Mars needs women, which mm. is the other the the more commonplace story. They came to take our women, you know. Yeah. Um, although there were a couple of American you know films like Queen of Outer Space that had similar alien matriarchal um, societies. Uh, but but somehow I think our Devil Girl from Mars is kind of cooler than their Queen of Outer Space. Well, you you can't really beat the image of the, of Patricia Lafan in black black vinyl. No, it's walking, so odd, isn't it? Yeah. Into, I mean, into a pub in Inverness. Was, yeah, with, with the, the huge robot as well. Yeah. But it's like, it, and I can I could just about believe it in the sixties. You know, in some weird TV show knockoff of Doctor Who or The Avengers. But nineteen fifty four. What else is going on in the cinema? It's all like, you know, Dirk Bogart, Doctor in the House comedies, yeah. and and British stiff upper lip war films. You know, it's like it was a period where I mean, it was the original austerity Britain, wasn't it? You know, rationing and everything was grey and right. grim, and the idea of Devil Girl from 
Mars in the middle of this. That's right. Um, I would love to. I mean, I'm I'm not old enough. I would love to have seen that in a mm. cinema the, the week it came out. It it must have been such a shock. Well, Quatermass yeah. was still a couple of years away, wasn't it? Yeah, well, Quatermass mm. had been on television, but yeah. the film wasn't out yet. Yeah. I, I, I suspect that the success of Quatermass on television may have had something to do with the, the rise of um, yeah, uh, British science fiction sure. film production about that time. Sure. And around about, well, a couple of years later, we, we have um, The Horrors of the Black Museum, which is one of <laughs> yeah. Herman Cohen's films. Yeah, and now it, that's... It's interesting. Uh, again, a truly was, odd piece of work, isn't it? I mean, it's very it's, interesting. I, I was going to say, Kim, that I, I was yeah. watching The Sorcerers the other day and I, I was yeah. reading your production notes about it and it struck yeah. me that could, can we actually see Horrors of the Black Museum as a kind of a, a link between I Was a Teenage Werewolf and the sort of generation gap horrors of the British cinema of oh, the late yeah. 60s? Oh, no, yeah. It 70s. has that. The weird thing is that the. Because Herman Cohen had made those teenage horror films in America, and when he came to Britain, he made exactly the same film. Yeah. But I don't think he understood what British teenagers were. Mm. The character in Horrors of the Black Museum, who's sort of the the, the Jekyll and Hyde kid, mm. he's not a teddy boy, is he? He's no. not. Uh, or uh, or you would, in fact, you do. In fact, there was a, there's a Hammer film called The Ugly Duckling where. Um, Bernard Breslau plays a Jekyll and Hyde character who turns into a razor-slashing teddy boy character. And it's like, because I think Herman Cohen didn't know what a British hood was. Mm. And so you've got this rather weird, well-spoken, uh, uh, effeminate young man. Uh, and Shirley Ann Field is, is the sort of girl in, in the picture. And they're not like any human beings ever, let alone <laughs> like sort of British kids. Uh, but yeah, they're, but they all have this weird, um, sort of yeah, slightly perverse feeling of, of you know, dominant adults yes. uh, and quivering kids. I think Conga, the other film in, mm. in, from Herman Cohen in this um, release pattern, also has that. It, it, and it's Michael Goff again, who, who was like the resident sneering grown-up baddie. Yeah. I mean, he's like everything terrible about old people, isn't he? Yes, yeah, he's, sort of, he's crippled and impotent and twisted with hatred he and is. jealousy. He's, he's worse, uh, in fact, than the Whit Bissell characters. Yeah, because he's, he's a bullying more swine, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and, I, and also, I think it, it's, it may well have been something that, in America, um, horror films were still basically uh, sent out to kiddie matinees. So, yeah, I was a teenage werewolf, I was a teenage Frankenstein. They're, they're they're not enjoyably lurid, and they are kind of hormonally charged, but they're a bit reticent about mm. this stuff. Whereas in Britain, it was ex-certificate material, 18s and over could see, or 16s actually it was then. So there's a sort of adult sleaze to them. There's a sort of vaguely pornographic air oh, to, to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. um, Peeping Tom, is, uh, I think, keeps relating to Horrors of the Black Museum in an interesting way. But it is still kind of offensive and, and perverse, isn't it? And I, and I don't know, maybe it's something to do with uh, uh, the British character because, I mean, there's been all the, the discussion this week about the way the Daily Mail has covered the outcome of this murder trial. Yeah. And that's exactly the kind of stuff that's going on in Horrors of the Black Museum, that sort of frothing mix of 
prurience and yes. fascination with all yeah. the horrible details and and then this mealy mouth disapproval of it yeah yeah and saying oh that's something that people like that do yeah um and i think that that's that's why it's in horrors of the black museum circus of horrors and peeping tom which are sort of made back to back and have this little clutch of, of films about sadistic entertainment mm. yeah i mean the the irony is these were the films that actually the the newspapers at the time really hated and yet I think the reason that they were so despised, even more than the Hammer films, is because they were closer to home. They were doing, they were analyzing what it is that the British press, that a certain, um, yeah, sort of British fascination with, uh, yeah, sleaze and crime and Madame Tussauds' Chamber of Horrors and public hangings and, and the Newgate calendar, all this is still wrapped up. But in Horrors of the Black Museum, you got it in gorgeous, garish Eastman color. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and I, I, I think that that opening scene of Horrors of the Black Museum is still actually one of the most shocking of mm. any film ever. Mm. I mean, if it were done now with much more explicit special effects, it would still be upsetting. But I don't think it would be as shocking mm. as it must have been then. Because it's the first thing you see. Imagine, you know, you've got your popcorn and you've watched the newsreel and you've settled down in your seat and this is what happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it didn't. It, we didn't really kind of regain those heights until Pete Walker, really, in the seventies. No, yeah, yeah, and I think that that's yeah. Pete Walker is another another gasp of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, say so it's almost like the news of the world of British horror. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the, the yeah the the kinky vicars and the, the murdering tea ladies. You know. <laughs> Well, let, let's kind of jumping into the seventies. Let's talk a little bit about the house in Nightmare Park, then, because it, it's, yeah. it's it, on first glance, it's it's a looks like it's a, you know a Frankie Howard vehicle. But when well, you look into that. it, it's you know it's, it's directed actually a much by better Peter film Sykes. Than that. And, yeah, Is it? I, mean, I, I wouldn't put down Frankie Howard. I think he was brilliant at what he did. But if you look at the films he made, the the film version of Up Pompeii, it's not as good as the TV show was. There was some, the TV show is much closer to, I suppose, a live act and his connection with the audience and breaking the fourth wall. The film is just a bit weak, whereas House in Nightmare Park is actually a good movie, and what's more, he's good in it. He's playing a character who's obviously been written for him, but he plays it really well. He doesn't break with it. And mm. there is a sense that, he, that I think some of the best comedians who do these haunted house type things, Bob Hope did it, is... But when he's in danger, it's actually, he is frightened. He's being funny. Yeah. He's not just pulling faces. Yeah. There is a real possibility that he'll die. Sure. Yeah. It, it uh, almost harks back to this sort of Abbott and Costello movies, doesn't it? But, but, yeah. They're, they're, they're I, funny I mean, and they're that, scary. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that because it, the, the, I, I don't know how much this was, what Frankie Howard wanted, but it's interesting that it's a film made by people who knew how to make horror before they knew how to make comedy. Yes. Yeah, it's Peter Sykes who'd been a Hammer director. It's Terry Nation and Clive Exton mm. who you know were, were good scary writers, and they do good patter jokes, and they and there and there are sort of weird eccentricities in it that are funny. But there are moments in it where you're surprised at how disturbing it is. I think the 
the grown-ups doing the childish vaudeville act is actually one of the most terrifying things in British cinema in the 70s, in that it's sort of genuinely disturbing and odd. And it's in the middle of this comedy, but it grows out of it perfectly. Yeah. Um, I mean, even weird concepts, like having the... Um, the sister, the housekeeper character, Rosalie Crutchley plays, unable to talk, but able to sing. Um, like, where does that come from? <laughs> it's a very strange yeah. film, very strange yeah. mix. And the, other, and the other thing that uh, Howard does in that, which a lot of comedians don't do in films like that, is he lets the supporting characters get the laughs. Yeah. He does reactions rather than stamping on them. Yeah. And because it's full of these great British character actors playing bizarre, eccentric characters, his reactions to them are funny, but he lets them be funny on their own. Um, I think Hugh Burton, who's rather an underrated character actor, is astonishingly brilliant in House in Nightmare Park. Every, every time he mutters swine, it gets funnier and funnier. Um, <laughs> and a less confident comedian would have looked at a rough cut and had all that stuff taken out. So, Kim, are you contributing the liner notes or commentaries to these films that are coming out? I'll be doing some um, some liner notes. Um, I'd love to do commentaries, but I think we're a bit out of fashion on those at the moment. Right. <laughs> I think uh, it, it's a if uh, and, and sadly, of course. Um, I mean, several of the people that we did commentary tracks with um, have, have since passed on. Um, so we're losing the, 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 the generation of people who made these films. I think it would be nice to, if there are survivors, to get some of them to, to come in and, and talk through some of these things. Um, but yeah, no, you know, petition them you know, rather than ask me. Hunger, ever-growing man-made beast of immeasurable strength. For more details on the British Film Collection, visit networkonair.com. There's a huge monster gorilla that's constantly growing to outlandish proportions, loose in the streets. Friday Night Frights. Well, that's it for tonight's Friday Night Frights. But don't forget you can reach me via the Starburst website or on Twitter at Starburst underscore mag. Until next time, stay Stay scared. scared. You're a man.